Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned last week, we will be going into 1 Thessalonians. So if you can turn there with me, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 4. The title of our message is Evidence of Faith. Evidence of Faith. We're going to look at the fact that the church in Thessalonica had evidence of their faith. We're going to look at what that means. What kind of evidence did they have? There needs to be evidence of our faith. There needs to be a change that takes place in our lives. I personally know people that are close with me that they say, well, I'm a Christian, but there's no fruit. There's no evidence of their faith. They, they use the word Christian, but it doesn't really apply to them because Christian means Christ-like, and we can only be Christ-like when Christ is in us by his spirit, and he's changing us. So there should be evidence of that in, in all of our lives. There's a, I'm told there's a church, a local church, I guess, that uh, the, the college group, they meet in a bar, and they're gathering together their fellowship that they have there at this particular church, I'm told, from a good source, that uh, when they talk about issues, they're not allowed to use scripture. And this person that goes to this church, I guess, uh, visited that group and wanted to see how it was going and all. And when he tried to use scripture, they cut him off, said, no, no, you can't use scripture when we're talking. You have to start with, I feel, I think. So that's not a church. There's no evidence of faith there. There's a, so the church of the living God is instructed by the word of God. There's, it's important. That's why we spend so much time in the word of God. So there needs to be evidence of our faith. And it's sad that a lot of churches are going in the wrong direction. These last two and a half years, you're seeing these churches that are just going in the wrong direction. And it's, it's very disturbing for me as a pastor. But I, I pray that there's an evidence of our faith. We're, we're seeing a little, I believe, a revival going on with the young kids in this church. And it's an awesome thing. And I, I pray it continues continues with the, mostly the college-aged and, and, and some of the high school kids, and there's just a work of the Holy Spirit, but, uh, and we're seeing evidence of faith. So that's what we're going to look at. Paul's going to talk about evidence of their faith and how it sounded out, and so if you can please stand with me, I'm going to just go ahead and read these four verses. First Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. So Paul, the apostle, writes, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Lord, again, through these four verses, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You could be seated. Thank you. I love Paul's writings. Paul the Apostle is uh, writing this, and there was a work that started in Thessalonica uh, on Paul's second, excuse me, second missionary journey. There's a map. Kind of shows uh, a little bit, it's modern day Greece, Thessalonica's up here. He had to leave, Paul and Silas had to leave Thessalonica, and they journeyed down 
to Corinth. So the writing is from Corinth. So if you're a note taker, approximately AD 50 when it was written. I would suggest that you read for an extra homework assignment, if you can, Acts 17. Because Acts 17 talks about the church there in Thessalonica. And so I'll just kind of give you a little uh, overview, if you will, what happened. I don't know if you remember this, what happened, but Paul and Silas, second missionary journey, they show up there in Thessalonica. First thing they did was they went to the synagogue, right? And it says they went there three Sabbaths. So three different times they went, and they went there for a purpose, to share the gospel, to share the good news, to share Jesus. And they went through the scriptures, and they 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 showed those that were there in the synagogue that the, the Christ must suffer. And they showed, you know, through scripture. It's an awesome thing to do is to bring someone to scripture when you're sharing with them and say, did you know this? And you, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we're told in Acts 17 that a great many of prominent Greeks or Gentiles came to know the Lord, a whole bunch. A whole bunch of women, a, a group of women started following the Lord. And some Jewish people started following the Lord. So there was a little revival going on. And it was so awesome and so powerful that the Jewish people that were not persuaded, it says, they were so envious of Paul that they stirred up the city. They stirred up the people. There was an uproar. There was a, there was a mob, it says. So they were protesting. They were rioting. Something, sometimes things never change, right? Crazy. So they couldn't find Paul and Silas. I don't know where they were. It doesn't tell us at, the point, at that point. But there was Jason. Remember, Jason was uh, housing these two guys. And so they pulled Jason out of this home. They dragged him to the rulers of the, of the city. And they said, hey, these guys are harboring these two guys, this Paul and Silas. And these guys are turning the world, remember what it says, upside down. I wish I would be accused of turning the world upside down. And then the other accusation against them, if, if you know what the, what the, 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 the true account that's in there, the other accusation was they said there's another king, and his name is Jesus, not Caesar. So that you know, made a big uproar. Jason got, up, got out. He paid, it says, a, a big uh, sum of money to get out. So he, he left. So they had to leave. They, went, they left uh, Thessalonica. They went to Berea. And then they traveled eventually down to Corinth, where this was written. Before we go back into the text here, I, I want to point something out. We're going to go through a lot of different themes. There's a, a bunch of different themes in these five short chapters. There's love and works and death and faith. And, but the dominant theme, and that's why I'm excited about diving into this, the dominant theme of this whole entire book and Second Thessalonians is end times, the second coming of Jesus, the rapture of the church. I believe... We're living in such a day where we could be the generation that will be raptured. Wouldn't that be awesome? My question, my challenge to everybody here, the rapture. Rapture of the church is when Jesus Christ takes the church, the true church, those that, that are born of his Holy Spirit. We're caught up together with him in the air, and we're going to forever be with him. My question to you, are you going with us? And another other question, are you excited about that? I pray you are. I'm excited about that. I believe, and it's going to be in a twinkle of an eye, the Bible says we're just going to be gone. Let me ask you this. Do you have any problems in your life that the rapture won't take care of? <laughs> it kind of fixes everything. 
So that's what the, the main theme throughout this is the, the um, end times. So we're, we're going to get into a lot of that. There's a lot more background stuff. We'll wait as weeks go on and we'll talk more about the background of this. But I want to dive into the text. So right off in verse one, it says, Paul, Savannah, and Timothy to the, can we say that out loud, please? Church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This letter goes out to the church there in Thessalonica. I'm excited just right there because of the fact that this letter is written for the church, for us. All scripture is God-breathed. Some scripture talks about the history of things that took place, talks about wars, and talks about different things, and we can, we can glean off of it, we can be blessed by the scripture. Others, uh, scripture talks directly to certain people, like Joshua, I think of Joshua 1.9, right? It says, uh, the Lord spoke to Joshua, says, be not discouraged, Joshua, be not dismayed, for the Lord thy God is, what? With you, wherever you go. And so that goes right to Joshua, but we can glean off that, we can use that, and so, you know, we still are blessed by that, but this particular letter, it's written for the church. And not only that, I love at the end of the, the letter, Paul says in verse 27 of chapter 5, he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle, this letter, be read to who? Wow. All the holy brethren. It's commanded to read this. So there's a command, read this to everybody in the church. Why? Because there's a lot of instruction, and it talks a lot about the coming of Jesus Christ, and it's a very important book. So, you, so right off the bat, we see that it goes to the church, but then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. It's a typical uh, opening or greeting of Paul the Apostle. Grace and peace, grace and peace. I love what Pastor Chuck Smith would always say, he says, you cannot know the peace of God until you first experience the grace of God. You cannot know that peace of God until you first experience it, until you know the grace of God, the favor of God. And this is one of the benefits of our walk with Christ. We have God's favor and God's peace. He gives us a peace that goes beyond all our circumstances. Jesus himself said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. Do not let anybody, any person, any circumstance rob you of your peace. God gives us his peace, guards our heart, guards our mind, his peace that, that, that surpasses anything that goes on in our lives. And so we are blessed with this peace, so, but you cannot know that peace until you've experienced his grace. We're saved by grace through faith. So once we're saved by grace, favor through faith, God gives us peace. That's the first thing that happened to me when I gave my life to Christ. I was flooded with the peace of God. That's the first thing. It's just like, whoosh, the weight of the world was off my shoulders. I literally, it's not about feelings, but I can only tell you what happened. It was like somebody took a syringe and pumped me with 100 bazillion milligrams of, of, of uh, Valium or something. I was just like, what? And then the first time I, I heard the scripture, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I remember exactly where I was when I heard that verse. And I said, that's my verse. God, give me that peace. Continue to leave this peace in my life. And, it's, and I could tell you the last two and a half years, as crazy as it's been, I've experienced more peace. 
And that's typical. When The more you experience difficult times, God just floods you with peace. Because listen, the peace that we have has nothing to do with our circumstances. God wants us to have peace. All his paths are led in peace. With his church, this is his church. Many times I'll, I'll get people, you know, pastor, you should do this. Pastor, don't do that. Pastor, you should do this. Pastor, you should consider that. You should do this. this. And there's a lot of people just well-meaning. It's good. It's just this and that. And don't do this and don't do that. Don't say this. Don't say that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's like, thank you. <laughs> when we ever go anywhere outside of the peace of God, God puts up red flags. And he's been faithful over the years to do that. He'll give us red flags and there'll be no peace. And it's like, it's like stop. And I love that. Whenever we're, we're going in any direction that's not of the Holy Spirit, that God's good at by his spirit, just saying no. And it's so powerful when that happens. All his paths are led in peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. The, the typical greeting of Paul the apostle, grace and peace and even other places, be multiplied to you. And I pray that you as a believer are experiencing the, the God's favor, God's grace, and God's peace. If you're not, typically, I can tell you from experience in my life, if I don't have that peace of God, there's something wrong that's going on in my life. And God will be so gracious to allow that. There was one time I remember I couldn't sleep all night. There's just, I was, I was troubled. My mind was troubled. And I, God was like, I'm not going to let you sleep. I was like, I need to sleep, Lord. And he's like, no, not until that changes. I don't want you to go that way. It was a purchase of a, of a home, and I couldn't sleep. Everything was, it made sense. We were going to buy this home, and everything was lining up, and we had everything, and, and all I had to do was sign the paper. I couldn't sleep that night. Why? God was like, I don't want you to go in that home. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't understand it, but I know I need to sleep. And as soon as I listened, as soon as I surrendered it, his peace flooded my heart again. All his paths are led in peace, grace and peace, favor and peace, favor and peace. Paul the Apostle wants to make sure that this church in Thessalonica has God's grace upon their lives, God's peace upon their lives, and God wants that for every one of us as believers. If you don't have the peace of God, he wants to give you his peace. You cannot have peace with God and the peace of God until you know the grace of God. Amen? Grace and peace. Verse 2, it says, and we give thanks to God always for you all. I believe Paul was a southerner because he said, you all. <laughs> Making mention of you in our prayers. This verse kind of gives us a little insight of Paul's love for this church. He's, he says, we, we, we give thanks always for you guys. Paul the apostle loved this church, loved the people of the church, that's very important. As we talk about evidence of faith, it's very important that we have love for one another. That's, that's, that's an evidence. That it makes it evident. If you love the brothers and sisters in Christ, there's, God's doing something in you, and it should be that way. If you don't like being with the, the believers at church, there's something wrong. Before I gave my life to Christ, I used to go to church barbecues, churches. Christian concerts, I was invited to potlucks, very nice people, they were very nice all the time, but I couldn't relate with them. Why? I didn't have the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. I would do it as a duty. It's like, okay, I'll go, I'll go there, and I'm like, okay, and then it's like, all they talked about is church, and Jesus, and the Bible, 
And then I was like, okay, so, and I, I thought these people just had a boring life. Boy, was I wrong. Seriously, I was so wrong. When I gave my life to Christ and I became born of the Holy Spirit, now I love fellowship. People are here. I, I hang out with them all the time. I love being around the people of God. Why? Because we have that koinonia. We have that oneness in Christ. And I can, seriously, I was praying this morning in my devotional time, and I was going through a list of the people I know in the church. I'm like, Lord, thank you for this person. Thank you for that. And I'm just like joyful. I'm like, what a blessing that this person's here in this church. What a blessing that they're part of our family. What a blessing for this person and this person and this person and this. And I was just like joyfully going through a list in my head of all the people God has just put in our, in our lives, in our family. And I was just like, God, you've given me such a love for the people of God. And I'm like, that's supernatural. Beware if either yourself or somebody else, they say, well, you know, I just go in, listen to the Bible study, and I run out of the church. I love God. It's those people I can't stand. <laughs> and listen, there's a, truly, there's a ploy of the enemy. I believe there's a ploy of the enemy to put people in the church that maybe might not even know the Lord. They, oh, they can quote scripture. They can tell this talk. But, but they're, they're put in there many times as a plant to, to get you in a place where like, please, I can't stand these people. There's, no, no, no. Don't do that. Pray about that. But don't miss out on the fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. I, one of the biggest things in this church that I love the most is fellowship. I really do. I love the fellowship. I love it. I've, I've shared this before. I, I spoke at a, a good-sized church. They were, I was asked to teach a midweek study, and I taught the midweek study. And after the midweek study, after the study was over, within five, ten minutes, the whole place was cleared out. And I, so I asked the, the people there, the leadership, I said, where'd they go? And they said, what do you mean? I said, where'd everybody go? And they said, they went home. And I was like, and I started laughing. I thought they were joking. I said, what do you mean they went home? No, no. Are they in like a fellowship hall? Where'd everybody go? They go, no, they went home. And I'm like, this is a midweek study. The night's, the night's young. We got plenty of time. They go, you, are you telling me they went home, home? Like they're not here? And I said, yeah, they always do that. And I was like, don't you fellowship? And they go, well, yeah, before, you know, we hang out a little bit. And I was like, and I was like, thank you, Lord, for this church. We fellowship here. Would it? John say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Listen to this. This is very telling. And we know that we have passed from death to what? Life. Because we love the? There's evidence. He who does not love his brother abides in? Spiritual death. Do you love hanging out with the body of Christ, the people of Christ? I'll tell you this. When I was a young Christian, and if I fell and did something wrong... I didn't want to be in the body of Christ because I was so ashamed. I was like, oh no, they're going to see right through me. And then I go to church and go, hi, how's it going? Praise God, praise God. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, okay. And I would have such guilt. But listen to this, when you confess your sins, he's faithful, he's just, he forgives you of your sin, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, who is it that condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing for all of us? He's praying for you. Don't let condemnation keep you away from fellowship because that is not God. God does not condemn you. Who is it that condemns? The devil? The enemy of your soul? It's Christ who died. 
And furthermore, is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. So don't fall into that trap. It's like, oh, you know, oh, I messed up and this and that. I'm not going to go to church. No, no, just repent. Turn from your sin. Turn to Christ. Let him cleanse you. Let him pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. Don't get robbed of fellowship. Paul the Apostle loved the church in Thessalonica. He loved the people. It's evident as we'll go through and read his writings, how much he loved these people because they loved the Lord. Verse 3, it says, remembering without ceasing the work of, can we say that out loud, please? Faith, labor of, and patience of, faith, hope, love. And our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your, can we say that out loud? Election by God. Some people get real caught up with the word election. I don't know why, maybe because I just, my mind is just so simple. I don't get into this whole big, huge debate like people get involved with this. So, yeah, you know, predestined. And, you know, and then there's some churches that said, oh, no, no, you have no, no part in this at all. You're predestined. That's God's choice. That means chosen. So you're elect. So you have no part in this. That's not biblical. We have a part. He, he made us. He didn't make us as robots. He made us with a self-will. We have our own will. He created us with a will. We can decide, but it's up to you to decide if you're going to accept Christ or reject Christ. But when you accept Christ, he knows before it even happens. Why? Very simple. Is God all-knowing or not? So do you think he was surprised when you gave your life to Christ? Like, oh my, I didn't, wow, look at that. <laughs> I never thought that person would get saved. The Bible says he knew before the foundations of the world. Do you know that? He knew you before the foundations of the world. He, he, God knows everything, so he knows if you're going to get saved or not, but you are created with a free will to make a choice. So you make the choice. God already knew the choice you are going to make. To me, that's simple. Election. He chose you before the foundations of the world. But in context, it's talking about here, it says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election, that you were called out, that you were chosen by God. How did they know? Because there is evidence of their walk with the Lord. What? Faith, hope, and love. And that should be the mark of every one of us that are believers. Faith in God, hope that goes beyond the grave, hope of the coming of Jesus Christ, and love poured into our hearts. Faith, hope, and love. These three are so important in our walk with the Lord, and they should be evident in our lives. Matter of fact, we're told that you know this, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, now abide. This means remain. Remain in what? Faith, hope, and what? Love. These three. The greatest of these is love. We're to remain in that. We're to continue in these things. Remain. Continue. Abide. These three are so important, guys. Faith, hope, love. There was evidence of a change in their lives because faith, hope, and love was a big part this church. How did Paul the Apostle know that they were walking in faith, hope, and love? Well, one of the reasons why we're told that Timothy went back to Paul the Apostle and told him, hey, these guys, there's a great work going over there. There's a change going on. They're, there's, they're walking in faith. They're walking in love. They're walking in hope. And, and I could just imagine Paul the Apostle's heart when the, the word came back that these guys are walking in this. I think through this whole thing, as Paul shows up in Thessalonica, it appears like there was not a work, there was no work of the Lord that was taking place. Paul shows up and a work starts. He's forced to leave and he, he's, he, he wants to know, how's it going there? What's the news? What's going on? And they're like, 
They're on fire for the Lord, these guys. I've been, there's a group here in this church, a small group that goes out on the streets. There's some of them here. I know Joy takes some people out, Ina and others that are here in this group. They go out on the streets. But not only that, they're going to high schools, different high schools, and Kathleen gets texts from them saying, I mean, a great number of kids are praying to receive the Lord. I'm like, this is so awesome. Do you know there's a mini revival going on with young kids today? And one after another, we're just watching these young kids. And I'm going to ask, please keep praying about that, that more of these young kids would be just on fire for Jesus. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 1045 a.m., and 1230 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.